What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? You are back with the Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser, joined as always with my partner in crime, Caleb James. Caleb, what's going on, my man? I just got off work a little bit ago. It's a Monday. There's a little bit of Chiefs news across the league today. A little bit of news in general, some more developments as far as what we could be expecting to see the Chiefs roster to look like. But yeah, there was definitely some really good... No, I wouldn't say really good for all of them, but there were some interesting developments today. Yeah, there certainly was, and uh, it's something that we're starting to see now that training camp is ramping up. Um, one of the kind of concerning things, and I guess this is where we'll start, is kind of the injury deals, and you're kind of seeing it all over the league. With today, Gerald McCoy ruptured his quad tendon, uh, Jalen Hurd went down with a leg injury. He was carted off, and it has also hit the Chiefs with the Alex Brown tearing his ACL. And then the word was today that Ricky Seals Jones was was carted off with an apparent leg injury. Um, you know, it's something that you unfortunately see during training camp. But I I wonder if this has a little bit to do with the fact that they have really not been able to do any off season activities so far. Um, this year. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that it could be something like that to where, you know, when they go into those OTA periods, like we've been talking about, the mini camp period, those aren't like bang them up, like drag them out, kill you kind of periods. Those are get their body right, make sure they know the plays, make sure they know what's going on, gauge their conditioning and keep everyone healthy. Now, from what it sounds like, Andy Reid has always run a physical kind of camp. It kind of seems like the Chiefs are remaining physical even with this, just as far as banging goes, because I have heard and seen the reports that they did quite a bit of banging over the weekend. And as we record this on a Monday, I know that they did give a decent chunk of veteran players the day off today, including Tyron Matthew and Chris Jones, just for maybe some little tweaks. That obviously, they're going to want to be really smart right now about guys who might have slight tears, especially guys with histories of like muscle type issues and stuff like that, or like little pulls and strains, kind of like what Chris Jones has. I think they're going to want to be extra cautious of that right now. But as we can see, I mean, yeah, they said Ricky Seals Jones had to be carted off the field. That's never good when they have to get the cart to bring a guy out the field, especially in a practice situation like this. So, Hopefully he ends up being okay, but that could have possibly opened up maybe some more playing time for other tight ends or maybe a reason why they did sign or pick up off of waivers today, the uh, free agent tight end, uh, Daniel Helm. Justin, I'll let you tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, they did. They picked him up. He was with the 49ers. He went to Duke University. Um, he was at Tennessee University his first year, and then he played his last four years at Duke. He wasn't anything too special, I would say, when he was at Duke. Didn't look like he was a tremendous blocker. He seemed pretty thin while he was at Duke. So, you know, obviously with the 49ers and the, and the complex running game that they like to have, he might have been able to put on some weight and, and get in 
gotten a little bit better as a blocker, but I don't know if that was just something as far as depth because it's something that I've actually kind of been wondering about in general with the Kansas City Chiefs is what they're going to do offensively. Last year they ran a ton of 12 personnel, um, which they actually might have, I think they might have led the league in 12 personnel um, on the season. And last year they obviously had Blake Bell, who was basically just there to block, right? So Kelsey was the one tight end in that set. And then Bell was in there doing the other, the dirty work, if you want to call it that. And, but this year, you know, to me, they have a roster that's set up where put three receivers on the field. You're so good at receiver that if you put, you know, a McCole Hardman and a Tyreek Hill and a Sammy Watkins with a Travis Kelsey and a Clyde edwards Lair, that just makes too much sense to me. So I wonder if they'll get a little bit away from that, that 12 personnel set um, going forward. And, and kind of speaking about receivers, there's always a lot of talk, at least last offseason and already this offseason, about Jody Fortson and kind of what potential he has to be um, with the Kansas City Chiefs and whether he can make the regular season roster. And then Garrick Dieter. Garrick Dieter is obviously one of Pat Mahomes' good friends. It's well documented, but he can play a little bit too. Do you think that either of these guys have a chance to make the the actual fifty three man roster or whatever it is now, um, for the for the games. You know, I definitely think that they do each have their own respective shots. But when we look at these guys, to me, it's almost like a tale of two. It's like a tale of two different situations. You have Jordy Fortson, who obviously you can see his physical gifts right off the bat as far as things like his height and how he can use that as a mismatch on defensive backs that he has to go against and how he can use that kind of stuff to his advantage. But we have yet to really see anything like that from him in an actual game situation. You know, we've seen him in a few preseason games last season, but we really haven't seen any of that like actual hype be anything other than just hype. Now you look at a guy like Garrett Dieter, obviously far less gifted athletically and physically than a guy like Fortson is. But that being said, he has managed to find a way to stick around on this roster now for two seasons. When I remember at the beginning, he did get cut at the beginning of last season after spending most of 2018 as kind of like the chief's last receiver and more of a special teams guy. But last season, you know, we saw him get released. He was having a back issue in camp last year. They ended up bringing him back to the practice squad, and he actually was active for a few games there towards the end of the season. I don't believe he was active in the Super Bowl. He still got a Super Bowl ring. You know, I know a lot of people want to say, though, he's friends with Patrick Mahomes. That's the only reason he's not on the team. That's not at all how NFL teams or really any teams in general pick their personnel or pick who's going to play for them and who's going to make the roster. They don't take guys just because they're buddy, buddy. I mean, we've all seen hard knocks, you know, it looks like there's usually some first round pick. He always makes friends with the guy or ends up rooming with some guy that usually gets cut. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. It's hard coat. It's hard nosed. It's a cutthroat business. But the thing you got to think about Dieter is he's got to be showing something whether it be his ability to play every special team, to be on every special teams as, you know, a gunner or a guy on kickoff or something like that or doing something 
or he's either shown the ability that he can maybe carve out a small role as a backup in this Chiefs offense. He's got to be showing something. Not having the preseason, I think, definitely is going to affect these two because I do think these two guys are in the running right now for that last receiver spot. But that also being said, I would expect due to the COVID situation us to be familiar with these two in some capacity before the season is over. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the things. That's a pretty fluid situation, I would say, with the COVID stuff that's going on. And one of the good things for those guys is they've been in the system. So it's a, it would be a smooth transition that they would um, – be able to, to get back on the roster with if that situation ever did arise. And a little fun fact about Jody Fortson that I didn't even know until I was researching him a little bit. He is actually from South Park High School, which is in Buffalo, which is up in the area. You know, I'm about 45 minutes from there. He went to Erie Community College first, which is a small little JUCO school that when I was at Brockport College, um, we actually, our JVs played them because um, they were Juco, so we played them. So there was actually a chance that I coached against him at one point because he's only 24 years old, so he would have been there you know, within the last probably five or six years. So there was a chance I could have coached against him at, at, at some point before he transferred to Valdosta State. <laughs> That's actually pretty interesting. You know, it's always interesting seeing that small world kind of stuff that we can find out. I mean, just the other day, we were talking about how my in our uh, Arrowhead Live group chat. We were talking about how my high or my college coach up here, he was roommates with Greg Williams, who is the current Jets defensive coordinator. Well, it turns out that our head man Grant Morris is cousins with him, and a couple of other people know him because Greg Williams is from Excelsior Springs. He's from the Kansas City area. It's always interesting seeing those small connections that people have in the football world. Um, Some more Chiefs news, though. It's already looking like since Damian Williams is opted out of the season, it's already become quite clear that they're going to get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ready to play. He's been taking all the reps with the ones. The majority of the reps with the ones have been going to him, and I think that just shows you why the Chiefs took him in the first round. We've been talking about that all offseason Every time in this podcast we bring it up, we got to have to bring up the situation that says there's a reason they took a running back as high as they did. It's because they want him to come in and they want him to be able to play right away. Yeah, he's going to play. I mean, I think he was going to play even before Damian Williams decided to opt out. And then, you know, as soon as that happened, it just opened the door even more. Um, What's really going to be interesting to see is kind of how that backfield unfolds behind him now that there is DeAndre Washington and Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson. Now, to me, I almost feel like Darwin Thompson might be the the odd man out. Darren Williams, when he played, and we've kind of touched on this before, earlier in the season, he was he played significant minutes. They the Chiefs like him, they trust him, they like him in passing situations. They he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a great pass blocker in those situations. So I think he's going to play a lot more minutes and be the backup guy more than people think he is. And then DeAndre Washington, he's a guy that has a great skill set that. 
you know, Mahomes is familiar with because of their time together in Texas Tech. So really, I, I wonder what Darwin Thompson and where he's going to kind of fit in. I know he did a nice job towards the end of the year on special teams. Everybody remembers the big fumble return that he had in, in the playoffs where he kind of, the ball popped into his hands and he was like, oh God, what am I going to do with this? And then started running and realized he could run and try to score with it. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think that it, they will have to contribute on special teams um, for any of those guys because I, I know the Chiefs don't generally keep four guys on the active game roster. So as far as running back is concerned, so That'll be interesting to see how that um, kind of pans out. And something that we kind of talked back to go back to, like, the defensive back situation, um, we mentioned how Alex Brown tore his ACL, and today we saw that they actually worked um, out two different defensive backs. So do you think that that becomes a priority for them, where they might need to actually bring in uh, another defensive back to kind of replace Alex Brown, who he played a little bit last year on special teams for sure, so it's something they might actually have to bring somebody in. I think that they thought that Brown was going to come in and be a good depth guy. Cause I know last week or a couple weeks ago, they signed Tedrick Thompson for the same reason. Do you know who it was that they brought in and worked out? Or did they just say that it was like a group of defensive backs? Uh, there was two guys and let me see if I can pull up the, the tweet that I saw from, but I didn't recognize either of the names. Okay, so we're guessing probably, while he's looking that up, we're probably guessing just more like guys who are have been around, because at this point, everyone's kind of got their feel for their roster out. These are probably guys that, you know, maybe started on a team last year and got waived at some point, or were on a team at some point already this year and maybe got waived, or maybe that's more some undrafted free agents. I think at this point in the game, they would maybe want to try to go after guys who have a little bit of NFL experience just because it's really late in the game to be bringing in an undrafted free agent type situation. But I think they're definitely going to need a little more help out there because, you know, we don't have those guys ready. Justin, who was it that they brought in? Yeah, it was uh, Kamon Hall and Brandon Williams. So Kamon Hall was out of North Texas, and Brandon Williams was out of Texas A&M. And just – on a side note, they also worked out Marcus Kemp again, the receiver from Hawaii who kind of flashed last year at camp. But those D-backs and then and Marcus Kemp. That's interesting about the Marcus Kemp thing because huh, we're just talking about, you know, a guy with a lot of physical gifts. Marcus Kemp, I, I thought he showed out pretty well. He was on uh, high on the radar last, last uh, training camp period. That'll be something to watch for. But, yeah, those DBs, they'll probably bring in someone – like, you know, it's going to be a backup caliber player, someone that they'll be able to leave ready. They'll be able to cut probably and leave them on the practice squad. You know, no one's going to come in and vulture them right away. That was my thought, too. I, I don't know if they necessarily need anybody to be a starter at this time, but depth, especially in camp, is something that they could certainly use, um, and that would definitely help them out. Uh, other Chiefs news. What else is going on in Chiefs Kingdom? Well, there is the news that Steve Spagnuolo kind of dropped on everybody today during the presser, and everybody was kind of left sitting there going, uh, what's going on? And that's that Mike Pinnell is likely to be suspended for games um, at the beginning of the year. He's going through an entire appeal process. 
They said it's likely to be substance abuse. That's what everybody's speculating at least. But that kind of got dropped out of nowhere. And I don't know if that was on purpose by Spags or if that was kind of um, just him letting the, the, the cat out of the bag or whatever. But um, where does that kind of put the Chiefs as far as defensive line is concerned, as far as depth along the interior? Well, you know, just a few days ago, they re-signed uh, Braxton Hoyt. He'd been on the roster for most of the offseason and the end of the, the end of the season last year as a practice squad guy. So it's interesting to me that this would happen to Pinnell, especially after getting a contract extension for a year in which the Chiefs pretty much took a chance and brought him out of nowhere. He kind of worked his way into consistent reps and pass play or in the run game this last season. Um, This is going to mean that guys like Colin Saunders, who we saw flash at times last year, he's going to have to step up big. And I think this is also going to open up the door for maybe potentially more inside or more inside changing around inside packages. Maybe we see Breland Speaks get some more looks inside without Pinnell. Maybe we see Mike Dana get a few more looks inside there. Maybe we even see Tano pass and you'll get a few looks in there. They're kind of, yeah, man, before they had that with Pinnell, I was comfortable with Nadi and Pinnell and obviously Chris Jones and Colin Saunders. And then, you know, maybe a couple of swing guys like Speaks and Dana who can play both outside inside. I was comfortable with that crew. Not having Pinnell, though, kind of puts, I think, a lot more pressure on Saunders to be able to step up and perform because obviously Nottie and Jones are going to be the starters, but I think Pinnell was, again, going to be that first guy off the bench to come in and help plug up the run. And I just think that now Saunders is going to have to step up even more than we saw him have to at times last year, which that's not a huge deal for me because I have a feeling from what I've heard from just kind of reading tweets and some speculation and stuff. They There's a lot of people right now that are close to the Chiefs and close to Colin Saunders. So I think thinks he is about to have a potentially breakout season as a rotational defensive line player for the Chiefs. And, you know, he was considered the Aaron Donald of uh, the FCS coming out of Western Illinois. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops in year two. We're going to get to see his development a lot quicker. I think there's a chance that it could hurt the Chiefs run game in the short term. I don't necessarily know if it will be because I think that the defense right now is overall more whole than it was at this point a year ago. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. Just short-term-wise, that probably hurts them a little bit as far as the run game is concerned. Um, Long-term, I don't – I mean, obviously it depends on the suspension. He's had a couple suspensions in the past. So, you know, hopefully everything kind of works out and it's not anything more than like a, you know, short three, four games. If that, you know, um, the, the league policy has loosened some. So maybe we're looking at maybe just a one-game to three-game suspension. But – I guess we'll, we'll find out in time, but I'm sure they'll have a plan. I'm sure that they'll, they'll be ready. Like you said, Colin Sanders could step in there. I do like how you said Tunnel Passing. You know, I think he's, he kind of slides in there in nickel packages at times as, as well anyways, so he's kind of used to playing along that interior at, at points. Um, so he can get in there and pass rush situations. I think, I think they'll be fine in the short term. Um, 
along with that is during that press conference, they also spoke to Willie Gay Jr., who mentioned that he has been learning the Sam and the Buck positions for linebacker, which kind of everybody thought that he would be playing that will position where he would be in the coverage a ton. Um, and it seems that he's not learning those positions anymore. Now, the, the Sam is kind of where Reggie Ragland and Damian Williams um, played last year. Ragland ended up finishing the year that way, where Damian Williams started the year that way. And then the Buck is just the like outside linebacker type position in the big nickel situations where um, he's more the weak side on the back side of stuff. He can actually rush, they, he, they rush the passer a lot in that buck type situation, that type position. Um, do you think this is something that it's just, they're just teaching him a bunch of different positions or do, do they actually have plans on, on playing him there? Or it's just, it kind of sent everybody for a loop when they heard that because they were, everyone was kind of fully expecting him to be the will in the, in the chief's defense. You know, I think it's a little bit of both because forever since I'd say there's a lot of other sites and a lot of other writers and people who do film and stuff for other places. And they were kind of wanting to say, oh, he's going to come in and he's going to be like uh, the will. Yeah, the will like right away or whatever. Do that. You know, now Steve Spagnuolo is saying not so fast. Well, why would he be saying not so fast? Why are we going to pigeonhole? a rookie who is, by the way, a freak athlete into playing one position his rookie year when they could get him used to playing a little bit of everything and put him in and different, put him at different places in different situations. Much like I think we see the Chiefs do a lot of the time with a guy like Tyron Matthew. Whatever the need is, they're going to teach him to do that because they need their best players doing exactly what the team needs them to do in the right situations. And that's how the chiefs operate. They might have a potential star and this kid right here, Willie Gay Jr. I think that teaching him all those positions is going to be valuable. Cause like you said, his two biggest assets, he can blitz and he can play pass coverage because he is faster than lightning. And, you know, in one of my initial film reviews, you can on him, you can just see why they would want him to blitz. Spags is hyper aggressive And you have this guy running into the backfield as an underclassman tackling Tua Tungalivoa when they're playing Alabama. He finished that game with three sacks. He's rushing the edge. I mean, it's I believe it was actually Jedrick Wills who got drafted this year by the Browns first round, top 10. Uh, He sees him coming in off the edge. He knows he's coming in, and Gay is just so fast. He beats him to the angle. And then he gets into the backfield and breaks down perfectly. Tua tries to make a little move, and he just blows through the play, blows him, blows it up. It's all over. So when I saw all that stuff, I knew the Chiefs are going to run some interesting blitzes with him. I think we're seeing that more with that buck. I like anything that has to do with the Chiefs playing in that uh, that nickel-type situation where they have as many defensive backs on the field as possible because that's the strength one of the strengths of the defense. And I'd be excited to see him fill Reggie Ragland's role because Reggie Ragland's role basically came down to he's big enough and he's strong enough that we can put him up on the line of scrimmage and he can destroy a kick out block and clog a hole up or come off and make a tackle or beat a pulling guard 
like he did one time in the Super Bowl and then come back in. I think that Willie Gay right now, they are going to have to work on a couple of things with him as far as like, I think his angles and his timing from the some of the different backer positions, what he's good at is running fast and blowing things up. I think that Spags is about to let him tear, do all kinds of stuff like that this year. Yeah, if if you've listened to this podcast before and you've kind of been with us since the beginning, right way back when we were talking about draft prospects, and then as soon as the Chiefs drafted Willie Gay, Junior, we talked about how one of his greatest skill sets that we both saw on film was his pass rushing ability. So I would not be shocked for Spags to really try to utilize that that skill set that he has in as many possible um, situations as they can because it's just – being able to get to the, the quarterback is invaluable, especially on long situations, you know, third and long situations, second and long situations. And he is also phenomenal in coverage. So it might just be something where they say, you know what, we already know he's really good in coverage. So maybe let's have him take a look at this this other stuff and see how he does in these other positions because we know we can move him a will and get him out in space because that's really, really where he excels because, like you mentioned, he's such such an athletic dude that his his ability to play in space is kind of unquestioned, I would say, at this point. Um, and kind of the last thing, so we'll, we'll get out of here with, is something that we've kind of touched on here, and I've touched on a few times in Twitter, is the quote that Eric Bieniemy said about Patrick Mahomes, and that, that he is a competitive prick. And that's probably one of the best compliments that you can get as an athlete, I would say. And I've said this on... Here on this podcast, I've said this on Twitter. I said this after the the NFL Top 100 list came out um, when you know he was fourth on the list, and he just tweeted out the the notebook or whatever. And don't get it mixed up. Patrick Mahomes is a super super nice guy, but like I said, the guy is a killer. He is the ultimate competitor. He's got that ability when he steps in between the lines that he just wants to be the best player that there has ever been. And I, I think he really kind of gives you a little glimpses into his mindset. Like when he's running off the field in Chicago and he's counting on his fingers the number of teams that passed him up. And when he's putting the little notebook out on Twitter after he's voted as the fourth best player in the NFL for some reason. But I think, like I said, being called a competitive prick by your offensive coordinator is one of the best compliments you can get as an athlete. You cannot be nice when you're on the football field. Obviously, you can be an outstanding person off the football field, but on the football field, you do have to be a prick because it's the only way that you're ever going to be able to succeed as far as anything goes when it comes to playing the game of football because when it comes down to it, you know, you have to beat a man every play, no matter who it is. And we've seen Mr. Patrick Mahomes do that with his arm, do that with his leg, do that with his eyes. And like you say in the Super Bowl, like we were talking like you were talking about earlier this week, he comes in in the first quarterback. They're the first quarter of the Super Bowl. He was the best quarterback in the Super Bowl. But he comes in in that uh first quarter and we got dumb people on Twitter like Mike Florio and those clowns over at uh Pro Football Talker kind of insinuating that the 49ers should try to hit Mahomes as hard as possible. And I think that they came out and gave him their best lick and all he did was pop up and then 
they kept trying to hit him as the game went on. And guess what happened? He only kept playing better because he's one of those guys that he's got two switches. He's got the switch that he goes from being like nice guy, Whataburger Pat into like uh fifth into like the MVP, like MV Pat. But then he's got another switch. He, he flips. And I think we've seen just brief glimpses of that. I think he flipped it in the giant shootout versus the Rams in 2018. He flipped it definitely in the 2018 AFC championship game. He flipped it in the divisional game this year. And pretty much, I think for the whole second half of the 2019 season through the playoffs, through the AFC title game and the divisional game and the Super Bowl. I think we saw that extra competitive. I haven't come up with a name for that. That might just be called Pat the prick is when he gets into that, where, you know, it's like that Jordan kind of mentality. He is going to beat you at all costs, no matter what he has to do. And he's going to let you know about it. Uh, That's something I've never seen really ever from any chiefs player ever. And to have that guy that they talk about around the league is being like, the most scary, the most fearsome competitor out there. I love it. And I'm absolutely just ecstatic that he is a member of this franchise and I love everything about it. It is super fun to watch and it is going to be super fun to watch this year. And just kind of a little other side note news. Um, The Kansas City Chiefs were the first team in the NFL to announce that they will have fans at the games this year. They said that it will be at a limited capacity of 20%, I believe it was, and that the tickets will be sold in six-person pods. So you'll be like sitting with your six people or whatever. You'll also be tailgating with those people. Um... You know, there will be spots for people that don't want to tailgate in the, in the parking lot. But, you know, obviously keeping with the social distancing. But I thought it was pretty interesting to see that the Chiefs were the first NFL team to kind of go in that direction with, with the fans. So it'll be fun to see how that happens. But um, let's get out of here, Caleb. Why don't you tell everybody what you're working on? All right. So this morning I actually got done writing an article that's a little bit more Oh, it's more a little bit kind of semi-lighthearted compared to some of the film review stuff I do. I had to uh, decide which NFL coach was this horrible, terrible year of 2020. I think that's going to be out sometime tomorrow for you guys to take a look. And I'll have the GMKC coming out this Friday, as always. We'll uh, have to see what that goes. Uh, Doing film review is hard especially currently because I've watched every game probably 10 times over and I've clipped almost everything there is to clip. So I am losing my mind without football right now. Justin, what do you got coming on, man? Yeah, I got uh, the Power Rankings Digest comes out every Wednesday, so be on the lookout for that. Kind of same deal. We had some lighthearted stuff last week with kind of your – the top 10 fantasy draft foods. So that was a fun one to take a look at. Um, we'll have another one this Wednesday. And then also, I'm also working on an article about a four-year fantasy draft. You're a full fantasy 
board for you. So ranking all the players and, and all that. So that should be a fun one. Um, you can find me on Twitter at jdiz1617. Um, find Caleb at CJ Scoobs. You have all the stuff coming out on Arrowhead Live. Make sure you're checking out all the podcasts there, all the articles. Um, we're keeping you informed. Make sure you hit up the Pro Shop, too, there. They got all the stuff you can buy, all the great run-it-back shirts and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff coming out. We got the new logo, the new look. So make sure you're checking out Arrowhead Live um, for all your latest Chiefs news, NFL news, all that stuff, guys. But as always, we appreciate you being here, um, and we'll talk to you soon.